the podcast from Belmont Chapel in Exeter, sharing the story, living the life. For more information, go to belmontchapel.org.uk. Thank you very much uh, to Megan and very good morning to, to everybody. It's lovely to see you in church today. Welcome, whether you're in, in the building, whether you're watching us online or whether you're catching up on DVD or YouTube. It's just great to be opening God's word together and coming to him to learn a bit more from Paul's letter to the Galatians this morning. My name is Paul Cook. I'm one of the leaders here and it's my privilege to be speaking on chapter five this morning. Um, the, the subtitle for this sermon is Free to Run. And the reason that we have that subtitle uh, this week is because of what Paul says in verse 7, where he says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? So when I was given this, uh, this passage, uh, probably a couple of months ago now by Nick to talk about this morning, um, I did something I do every week. I went out for a run. Um, now, um, because of my age and the state of my legs, um, I don't run very well or very fast, but I do quite enjoy running. Uh, and I was just going along, and I was mulling over the passage and thinking about things. And I got to this bit of my run. And if you know the university campus, it's the, the top end where the all-weather pitches are. Uh, and I was just running uh, along here. And then suddenly, out of the blue, about kind of halfway down that, that path that you've got there outshot this red setter um, and just you know red setters love them love them to bits but they're not the brightest dogs are they and he kind of <laughs> it kind of careered in front of me and uh, thank goodness I was going at the speed I was because if I'd been fit and young I would have definitely had a nasty accident but I just was ma- I managed to sort of sedately sidestep it but all the all the same it kind of put me off my stroke and I was why don't you control your dog dog owner uh, and then I thought actually no I've been just thinking about this passage, and that's what Paul is talking about, isn't he? Somebody's cut in on these uh, believers in Galatia. That's the central part of of modern Turkey. Uh, And they've been thrown off the course that they were walking and running along. Now, in their case, of course, what had thrown them off, what had cut them off in their race, was this group of people who come into the church and were saying to them, yeah, Jesus is great, But he's not enough. You've got to have Jesus plus the law of Moses, plus, if you're a bloke, circumcision, plus certain meals at certain times. And as we've seen throughout the letter to the Galatians, we'll see again this morning, Paul says, no, no, what we have in Christ is enough. It's Jesus plus absolutely nothing at all is all that you need to be put right with God and to experience his grace, his joy, his love, his freedom and his salvation. So we're going to read the passage in a moment through Jill and we're going to read Galatians chapter 5 verses 1 to 15. If you have it on your phone or tablet or um, a paper Bible, do please follow it. I will put the verses up on the screen as well. But we're going to think about three main things this morning in relation, relation to gospel freedom. We're thinking about the fact we shouldn't lose it, we mustn't abuse it, and we don't want to diffuse it. And there might be a fourth one I'll sneak in just at the end as well. But Jill, thank you very much. So, um, good morning. Galatians 5, 1 to 15. 
It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is required to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who called you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offence of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. And um, before Paul continues, I'm just going to pray for him and for us as well. Heavenly Father, um, please reveal yourself to us this morning through your word. Lord, give us open ears and soft hearts to hear what it is you want us to hear this morning. Father, be with Paul as he speaks. Speak through him, Father, to the um, things that you want us to hear. And Father, I ask that you will help us through your Holy Spirit to love one another. Amen. That's great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jill. Uh, Really appreciate uh, your reading and your prayer this morning. So um, I said the first thing we were going to talk about was, was gospel freedom, not losing it. And here we've got the idea of freedom from that we're going to focus on particularly. Uh, Paul begins, doesn't he, by saying that Christ has set us free if we're his disciples. It's something that's happened. It's a historical event in the past. Christ has set us free. And a few weeks ago when we were looking at chapter 3, we already looked at this verse. And uh, I think it's such a great verse, I want to repeat it now, that uh, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. He set us free in other words, from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is just kind of Paul's shorthand for the fact that we know that we are never ever going to be able to be as perfect and holy as God is perfect and holy. And that makes us feel bad. It makes us feel like we can't kind of have fellowship and oneness with God. And Paul says that is the curse of the law. But hallelujah, Christ has set us free. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. 
when he was hung, he was hanged upon that pole as he spread out his arms on the cross of crucifixion. Christ has redeemed us. Freedom from, we've been set free. And so Paul says, because of that, stand firm, stand firm, and don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And you might be thinking, well, not very likely, is it? I mean, why would you want to go back to a yoke of slavery? That just seems like craziness. Why on earth would Paul need to tell these Christians not to do that? But if we just think about it for a moment, it's part of our human psyche, isn't it, that we tend to go back to things that really aren't at all good for us and that can enslave us. I mean, there are so many addictions, aren't there, that we battle against in our world. And I'm sure some of us who are here today will definitely have either had these addictions or will be battling them at the moment. It might be, you know, gambling, it might be food, it might be drink or drugs or pornography, or it might be social media addiction or or whatever. We know that we have a tendency as human beings to go back to those things which aren't any good for us and yet enslave us. But actually, I think Paul's talking about something broader than that. Um, He's talking about a a natural propensity that I think all human beings have to, yeah, give ourselves to something that's going to dominate and control our lives. And a few years ago, this, uh, this Bible teacher, a guy called Tim Keller, wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods, in which he talked about this whole area. Uh, And the subtitle of the book is very revealing. When the empty promises of love, money, and power let you down. Because Tim Keller's uh, thesis is that most of us spend our lives seeking to find fulfillment in love, in money, or in power. And he says that sometimes, or a time will always come when those things let us down. And we realize that they're counterfeit gods, that they're false saviors. And we need to look to the only God, the true God, and know his salvation. But he also says in in that book, but also in, in the book that he's written on Galatians, called Galatians for You. And I'd really recommend that to you, by the way, if you want just one book on Galatians. Galatians for You is excellent. He says, you know what? That's also a Christian problem. It's also very much a Christian problem. It's just that we have a different version of the problem. And he says this, works righteousness always creates idols. Works righteousness is the idea that we are put right with God, righteousness, through the things that we do, through our performance, through works, works righteousness. And he says that's a temptation For believers, perhaps you experience that temptation. Works righteousness always creates idols. It's simply that the false saviours that it produces are things we wouldn't normally think of as idols. Okay, so that's, uh, that's quite a bold statement that he makes. But I think we can see it here in the passage in Galatians. Because the point he's making is that good things can become false saviours. And if we look at uh, verse 4 of our passage this morning, 
I think Paul's talking about exactly this. He's talking about the law, the law of God, the law of Moses, which is a good thing, right? It's given to the people of Israel to help them uh, stay true to their God. It's a good thing, but it's become a false saviour because the people had looked to the law rather than to God to be the one who justifies them and puts them right. And so he says, if you're doing that, if you're relying on your performance, your ability to keep the law or whatever it is, actually you've fallen away from grace. And grace is one of Paul's great New Testament themes. And it's the the idea that God just gives us his blessing. He just gives us his freedom. He doesn't say you've got to earn it. He says, in fact, you can't earn it. He doesn't want payment for it. But he says, I just want you to receive it as a gift. And if we start relying on ourselves and our performance, then we've fallen away from grace, says Paul. But I guess the reality is that uh, for, for us, 21st century Exeter, most of us are not going to be seeking salvation, justification, righteousness through perfect obedience to the law of Moses, right? That's probably not going to be a temptation for most of us. So how could we rewrite that verse so that it's more relevant for us in the 21st century? Well, maybe we could replace the law with things like church attendance. You're here. Hallelujah. I'm here as well. Fantastic. Bible reading. We've done it this morning. Social action. Uh, Megan uh, touched on it in her prayer. And charitable giving. You know, those are all great things, aren't they? In fact, I've deliberately chosen things that I put very high on my list of personal values and things that I want to be investing in. But I need to be careful that I don't let any of those things become a source of justification. Because they're not. They are a response to the free gift. And I think we sung about that in that, in that new song, didn't we? They're a response, a reply to the free gift. They're not what we do to get the free gift, right? Because if we do, if we try, if we fall into that trap, then we've fallen away from grace, says Paul. They're great things to do, but they're very poor saviors. They're false saviors. So I wonder, is there anything that might fall into that category for us today? If there is, then let's be bringing it to God and saying, Lord, I'm sorry that that has become a bit of a false saviour for me. I repent of that and I come back to you and I receive once again your freedom, your grace, your salvation in all of its fullness, which has nothing to do with my performance. So gospel freedom, let's not lose it. But also, Paul says, let's not abuse it. Um, This is more, we've talked about freedom from, this is more freedom for. See, Paul says that we're not freed just kind of randomly so we have vague existential freedom. We are freed by God for purposes, for specific purposes. And he says it's for freedom, which is perhaps not massively helpful. So what does that mean? What is being freed for freedom? What are we actually freed for? Well, maybe we'll think about, first of all, what we're not freed for. That might be helpful as the, as the opposite. 
So in verse 13, he says, look, brothers and sisters, you're called to be free, okay? But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Uh, what, does that, what does that mean, indulging the flesh? Well, another version puts it this way. Don't use your freedom as an excuse to do anything you want. We're free in Christ. But it's not the kind of freedom that just says, so do what you like. There's a, uh, there's a very famous advertising slogan, isn't there? Um, it's a brilliant advertising slogan. Just do it. One of the best probably of the last few decades. But it's a terrible way to live your life, particularly if you're trying to be a follower of Jesus. But even if you're not, it's probably not a great way to live, live your life. And so Paul would want to say, no, don't just do it. Freedom brings responsibilities. So have a think about. I almost had as a slogan, think about it. And that's a rubbish slogan. But that's kind of what we need to do, isn't it? We need to exercise our freedom responsibly. And actually, Paul says, you're freed to serve. And I think we've picked that up in our songs and in our prayers this morning, very appropriately. Rather serve one another humbly in love. So yeah, we can do what we like with our time. Yeah, we can do what we like with our money. Yes, in Christ, we, ha- we don't have a, a kind of a, a, a code of written rules that hem us in here and there and everywhere. But we need to weigh up our freedom, don't we? And are we using it in ways that are blessing others through the choices that we make and serving them? Paul says the only thing that counts, verse 6, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. He says, I don't really care whether you're circumcised or not. Circumcision or uncircumcision has no value in Christ. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. You guys in the churches in Galatia, you're getting very focused on this issue of circumcision. It's not the important thing. The important thing is faith expressing itself in love. I wonder what that's going to look like for you this week. I wonder what it's going to look like for me this week. I wonder which of these situations uh, is similar to one that you're going to be walking through this coming week. Um, Some of us will be working. Some of us are in relationships. Some of us have caring responsibilities. Uh, Hopefully, we all have neighbors and friends that we connect with. Some of us will be studying. Some of us will be volunteering. Some of us, it's half term, will be parenting with a vengeance. What's it going to look like for faith to express itself through love concretely in these situations for us, for you, for me this week? We've got gospel freedom in Christ. Let's not abuse it and use it in frivolous, silly ways. And the final thing is, let's not defuse it. Um, When you defuse something, what do you do? You you take the power out of it, don't you? You take the power completely out of it. And Paul says, don't defuse gospel freedom. One way that we can really make sure that gospel freedom has the impact it's meant to is just for a really simple thing. It's being kind. Kindness is a vastly underrated spiritual fruit. But we're called to be kind. Um, And, you know, Paul says, again, he's speaking to these churches in Galatia who are very concerned about the whole of the law. And he says, you know those several hundred pages of the law? He says, I can sum that up for you in one verse. Leviticus 19, 18, 
love your neighbor as yourself. (laughs) It's really not very complicated, is it? In theory, it's quite simple to understand. Love your neighbor as yourself. Be kind. But actually, it becomes more difficult, of course, when we put it into practice, doesn't it? And there's this verse. I'd never noticed this verse before. Never really paid it much attention at all. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. And I found an image on the internet. I'm going to share it with you in a moment. It's one of the most shocking images I've ever seen, so I apologize for it in advance. It's horrible, but I think it's incredibly powerful as an illustration of this verse. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. The New Testament frequently refers to God's people as sheep, as a flock. And I was horrified by this image, but also thought, my goodness me, that is so powerful. Because sheep are not meant to do that, are they? Sheep are meant to munch grass. When sheep do that, my goodness me, something's seriously, seriously wrong. And Christians are meant to be kind. And when we're not kind... When we do things like that, oh my goodness, have we got it badly wrong or what? Uh, Very occasionally, I've had a little nibble. I've felt a little nibble. And to my shame, sometimes I've bitten back quite hard. God forgive me for those times because that's not what I'm called to do. It's not what we're called to do and to live, is it? But thanks be to God. He restores us. He forgives us. He brings us back to being the sheep of his pasture. Be kind to one another. Uh, Incidentally, uh, what I'm not saying here is we mustn't be critical, constructively critical of each other. I've had two conversations in the past week, uh, past couple of weeks actually, with people that have been constructively critical. And they've been really helpful conversations. But they've been done in love and they've been done in kindness and they've been a blessing to me as a result. So that's part of not diffusing gospel freedom. Let's not rob, rob the gospel of its, free, of its power by just being unkind to each other. But here's the second thing. Be bold, says Paul. In verse uh, 11, he says, there's a rumor going around that I am still preaching circumcision. He says, if that's the case, how come I am getting persecuted wherever I go? which he was. That always happened to Paul. He says, if I were preaching um, um, circumcision, sorry, if I am am still preaching circumcision, the offence of the cross has been abolished. And we need to be bold in our culture, don't we? Because the the cross can be offensive. We should never be offensive as we preach the gospel of Christ and the cross of Christ. But sometimes just the sheer fact of the, of the gospel will be offensive in our culture. And Paul says, be bold, continue to preach the truth of God. And then he says this, uh, as for those agitators, and he means those people who come into the church and were saying, you know, it's got to be Jesus plus, Jesus plus, and particularly Jesus plus circumcision. He says, as for those agitators, I wish they'd go the whole way and emasculate themselves. 
And when Jill read it, I heard a few kind of <laughs> nervous chuckles, um, or almost kind of, ooh, really? Um, and you can imagine, can't you, the first time this letter would have been written, they wouldn't have had their own copy. Somebody would have come into the church and would have read it out, kind of fresh off the pen of Paul, as it were, would have read it out. And maybe some people were kind of dozing off a little bit by this stage, I don't know. And then suddenly there would have been this, this line, you know, oh my goodness, did he just say that thing? Yes, he did. Did, did you hear that? Yeah, you can imagine it, can't you? And it's kind of an earthy humour, isn't it? You know, don't just stop at the circumcision. Go for the whole castration. I mean, it's quite, you know, I'll, it's not a gag I would share in church, to be honest with you. But, but Paul felt it was appropriate. And, of course, it is, because what happens when you castrate a man? He can't have any children. And Paul wants the influence of these agitators to stop. He doesn't want them to continue to have influence in the church. But, yeah, he does, he does express it in quite an earthy kind of way. Um, and this is what Tom Wright, uh, a theologian, says about this passage, another great book on Galatians. He says, if this language, and indeed the whole paragraph, seems to us quite violent and strident, that may be perhaps an indication that church people, like me, and theologians like him, can easily become so affable, so friendly, so nice to everybody, that we fail to confront head-on false teachings that can do lasting damage to churches and individual Christians. We're not called to be nice, we're called to be kind, and we're called to be bold as we proclaim the truths of the gospel. Oh, hello. There we go. So, gospel freedom. We shouldn't lose it, we mustn't abuse it, and we don't want to diffuse it. And I said there was one last thing I was going to mention and I'm going to ask my glamorous assistant now. That's it. Yes, thank you. And it is you. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who else could it be? Thank you. Thank you. So give me this. Because I'm very conscious that what I've said this so far this morning has been directed primarily at people actually who've already received gospel freedom. Because before we lose it, abuse it or diffuse it, we have to receive it, don't we? And so my final one, my final thought is this. Let's not refuse it either. And this is perhaps for anybody who's here this morning who hasn't yet accepted the free gift of grace and salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's, it's like any gift. I can, I've got a gift here. I can hold it out as long as I like, but until somebody comes to take it, they will not be able to receive the benefits and the blessings that are in the gift. God will hold out his gift of salvation until the Lord Jesus Christ returns. But it's up to each and every one of us to come and accept and receive his gift of salvation. And if we do, we'll, ex we'll experience wonderful things in here the incredible fruit of the Spirit, those things of, of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control that we'll think about in the next talk in this series and freedom in Christ. But if we want to receive any of that, if we want to know the love of God in all of its fullness in Christ, we have to receive the gift. 
So this morning, perhaps you've been coming along for a few weeks to Belmont and you're not sure about Christianity yet. You are so welcome. You're so welcome to be with us. We love to have people who are still asking questions and exploring the faith. But whatever you do, don't refuse the gift of God, the freedom of the gospel in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen.